Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit www.audiblepodcast.com castle for your free audiobook download. Podcastle, episode number 43, for March 10th, 2009. Sweet Savage Sorcerer by Esther Friesner. This is Rachel Swirsky, Podcastle's editor, taking us further into Elf Month with Esther Feisner's Sweet Savage Sorcerer. Sweet Savage Sorcerer first appeared in Amazing in January 1990, but I came across it in the mammoth book of New Comic Fantasy, edited by Mike Ashley. Esther Feisner is one of those luminaries in science fiction and fantasy that I promised you. Her long and illustrious career has been studded with Nebula Awards and Hugo nominations. She's published 27 novels so far. According to her website, her most recent titles include Tempting Fate from Penguin Puffin and Nobody's Princess from Random House. I'll be reading this piece myself. Some of last week's listeners mentioned that they had trouble finding the elves in Emma Bull's De La Tierra. Well, dear listeners, I assure you, you won't have to squint to see the elves in this week's piece. Links in this introduction are available online. Enjoy the story! Sweet Savage Sorcerer by Esther Freisner Arrows whizzed past her as Nariel drummed slender heels into the heaving sides of her faithful unicorn, Thunderwind. Her bosom rose and fell in perfect cadence with the noble steed's movements as the black tower of burning doom thrust its massive structure into view. Behind her, the sun was setting in a fiery ball, quenching its flames slowly, achingly, into the moist depths of the lesser sea of northern Azaria, Lefethnuria, in Ebu, Korfia, Mednetecha. Bitterly, Nariel reflected that if her father's men had not stopped to ask directions to the sea, they would never have been caught with their lances down by Lord Iarg's mercenaries. Another thick shaft, flying closer than the rest, cut off her meditations and the pointed tip of her left ear. The elfin princess lifted her chin defiantly and raised herself in the stirrups to turn and shout bold, yet elegant, insults at her pursuers. Then Thunderwind carried her over the threshold of the Black Tower, and she was safe for the moment. Lord Iarg's mercenaries cheated of their prey milled about under the lone window of the black tower of burning doom and made a collective nuisance of themselves. Nariel leaned out from the unglazed casement and regarded them with haughty disdain. They shot more arrows at her, one of which lodged in the headboard of the large, comfortable bed behind her. Her bold heart stifled the urge to scream her courageous head off. Instead, she seized the handy velvet bell rope on the wall and pulled with firm resolve. A dark-robed shadow detached itself from the depths of the tower room, strode past the startled elfin princess, paused only to sweep her from her feet in powerfully muscled arms, and pitch her onto the large, comfortable bed where she narrowly missed squashing a sleeping cat. A word of unknown and ecstatic sorcery was spoken out the window. From below, the vile shouts of Lord Iarg's mercenaries abruptly changed the peeping of downy baby chicks. 
The figure at the window smiled with grim amusement. He paused only long enough to release a tethered chicken hawk before turning his attention to his still rebounding guest. Yes, he said. You are the sorcerer of the Black Tower? Nariel's throat contracted with an emotion she would long deny as anything more than astonishment, dubiety, and the need for a cool drink. Does that surprise you? His voice was low, thrilling, more powerful than any she had ever heard, twisting her ever more rapidly palpitating heart into a tight knot of unnameable confusion. His azure eyes probed the very depths of her soul with a bold disregard for the empty charade of elfin high court etiquette. But there was a deep strain of irony in his words, as if his past life contained some unknown secret wound of which no one save himself knew, and whose carefully concealed pain had, if not poisoned, at least tainted the life of one outwardly so strong and unassailable. No, she lied. She got off the bed fast. He laughed once, shortly. But in that single syllable of supposed merriment, Nariel had read many unspoken sorrows. She could not lie to him. He had suffered enough. That is, I mean, you're so young. Now his eyes, bluer than the magic sword Nariel concealed beneath her voluminous green velvet skirts, sewn with pearls and trimmed with gold lace, narrowed. I am, he replied. It was a challenge. The elfin princess was not one to let any man ramp all over her. Hers was a proud spirit. She lifted her chin defiantly and took command of the conversation. The name Brandon of the Black Tower has reached my father, Lord Vertig of the Silver Unicorn, King of the Elves of the Green Woodlands. Even as we speak, he is besieged in the white castle of the Golden Arches by his mortal enemy, Lord Iarg of the Red Sword. By a ruse, I and one hundred fifty of my father's men managed to slip through the enemy's lines, dispatched in search of you, hoping to enlist the already legendary aid of your sorcerous powers in our cause. I know, he said. Do you? She could not conceal her astonishment. I am a sorcerer. Perhaps you have heard of crystal balls. His finely formed yet generous mouth contorted itself into an expression at once fascinating and unreadable. His hand strayed upward to touch her injured extremity. You've been wounded. A strange catch wrenched all sarcasm from his voice. Startled as much by the unexpected concern in the young wizard's words as by the almost electrical shock that coursed through her every fiber at this lightest contact of his flesh to her flesh, Nariel replied, It's nothing. Nothing? Behind his simple repetition of her very words, she thought she detected a new sense of respect for herself as a person in her own right. His breath burned hot and fierce across the nape of her neck as he murmured a healing spell over her ear. Confusion fluttered in her breast like a caged griffin. She stepped away from him, saying, While you waste your magic on what is no more than a scratch, elves perish! As she spoke of her people's distress, she could not forbid her eyes from straying the length of the young enchanter's person. 
Dark, unruly hair fell in a shock of thick black waves just above his cerulean eyes. When he smiled, the perfect whiteness of his teeth showed an even more startling contrast to his sun-bronzed skin. His nose hinted at past hurts born with nobility and forbearance. The neck of his necromancer's robe was open, revealing the smooth, enticing expanse of his broad chest. The thin material could not effectively conceal the incredible size, the almost terrifying bulk, the barely restrained thrust and untamed, overwhelming power of his shoulders. Fortunately, there was a full-length mirror on the wall opposite Nariel, which allowed her to leisure to contemplate her own fiery red hair, emerald green eyes, and lithe, slender, graceful, yet self-assured form. Brandon of the Black Tower chuckled deep in his throat. How dare he mock her? She hated him. She would always hate him. Then he spoke. Such fire. And what will you give me in exchange for my help, my lady? There was no mistaking the scorn in his voice. She hated him still more wildly, yet more passionately. Gold. She couldn't stand him. Nariel's reply was as cold and formal as wounded pride in the narrowly repressed desire to slap the sorcerer's grinning face could make it. No! No. His craggy eyebrows rose. On my honor as a high-born elfin princess and virgin, my father's men carried the gold for your fee. When Lord Iarg's men attacked my father's men, the chest fell over a cliff into the sea, and the men of the Vegas Sands made off with it. So you have no chest. He no longer smiled. You speak much of men, my lady, for one who calls herself a virgin. She would kick him in the shins and tell her noble father on him. Do you doubt the evidence of your eyes, my lord Brandon? I rode into your tower on a unicorn. It is well known by the lowest village idiot that elfin women can fake their unicorns. The ancient pain rose ever nearer to the surface of the young sorcerer's emotions and threatened to pierce through. In that instant, with a lurch of her own heart, Nariel understood the long past, but never forgotten, betrayal that had embittered Brandon's proud soul. Who had she been then, that other elf maiden who had so cruelly deceived him? Why had she done it? What wouldn't Nariel give to get her hands on the little point-eared bitch and teach her some manners? Compassion for Brandon welled up in Nariel's bosom, inflating it nicely. It was only her fierce, or weaning, foolish pride that prevented her from taking him into her arms at once and soothing away all his past hurts as if he were no more than a little boy or a wrongfully whipped puppy. Yet even as she snapped harsh words at him, her heart swelled with the dreadful ache of longing to cuddle him. Then perhaps you had better hire a consulting village idiot. She tossed her glorious mane of hair, her nostrils flaring, and pawed the ground with grand bravado. Even he would be able to tell you that the virtue of the ladies of the royal house of Lord Vertig of the Silver Unicorn, of the White Castle, of the Golden Arches, of the Green Woodlands, is one that we protect with steel. So saying, she drew the full awe-inspiring length of the impossibly hard enchanted blade from the clinging embrace of the soft scabbard beneath her skirts. With a wild, untrammeled exultation to feel her hand close around the imposing diameter of that 
wondrous hilt once more, Nariel realized just how deeply she loved her sword. Brandon looked mildly amused. He made a gesture whose mystic significance was known to few wizards. Nariel watched with mounting horror as her blade shuddered, then drooped like sunstruck celery. The enchanter took it from her nerveless hand and flung it across the room where it bounced off the large, comfortable bed and scared the cat. You have no gold, <laughs> yet you would have my services, he said. Very well, you shall have them, and in exchange I shall have... What? The elfin princess's bosom lifted defiantly. You! With a hoarse ejaculation, he crushed her to his chest. She felt his wizardhood pressing against her thigh, and could not tell whether the emotions also now rising within her were so much fear as hesitantly joyous anticipation of what was to come. Roughly, he tore aside her golden lace, stripping the lush green velvet from her heaving shoulders in one masterful motion. Pearls popped and caromed off everything in sight. The cat yelped and leaped off the large, comfortable bed. After he returned from burying the unicorn, he knelt like the meanest supplicant beside the pile of new-mown hay which had housed so much recent passion. Can you ever forgive me? Nariel. Her eyes brimmed with the ebbing tide of complete fulfillment and a tender fondness for the repentant sorcerer. Forgive you, Brandon, for making a real elf of me? Oh, you are more magician than any of those wand-waving charlatans. Playfully, he plucked fragrant straws from her tousled hair and threw them at the cat, who was back on the large, comfortable, conventional, unromantic, deliberately overlooked bed. Forgive me for doubting you, my love. And about the unicorn, she laughed the rich, full-throated laugh of newly, sweetly acquired wisdom. Thunderwind was a loyal beast, but in his heart he understood that this day would come, I think he was glad it came quickly and painlessly. But Brandon was not assuaged. Unaccustomed anguish filled his sapphire eyes. With a harsh sob, he buried his face between the soft, welcoming curves of her two hands and implored her pardon for ever having doubted her. It is you who are the enchanter, Nariel, he gasped. You have taken a blind, headstrong fool and made a man of him. Did I? Good. Now about Daddy. Brandon of the Black Tower raised his large yet sensitive hands to a sky no less blue than his eyes and turned Lord Vertig's foes into frogs. The siege was lifted, although the transformed Lord Iarg hung around the moat defiantly. He was finally routed when Lord Vertig dispatched a contingent of net-wielding victuallers to scoop up those of the enemy they could catch. That night there was great feasting and rejoicing in the white castle of the golden arches. Laughing, Nariel attempted to force another deep-fried nugget between her beloved's lips. What is that? he asked, returning her joyous laughter a hundredfold. Petrachian bits, she replied, smearing sweet and sour nectar down the front of his chest on purpose for future reference. Try them. They're delicious. 
not half so delicious as you he murmured and as the undeniable surge of their mutual attraction and respect mounted inexorably he dragged her beneath the banqueting table and they missed dessert Whether you loved or hated today's story, we hope you'll keep checking out more audio fiction. Audible.com is the internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks that you can download to your personal computer or MP3 player. Listen any when, anywhere. Audible has over 40,000 titles representing every genre, including 1,000 science and technology books and 1,100 science fiction and fantasy titles. Audible has been kind enough to offer a free audiobook to Podcastle listeners who sign up at audiblepodcast.com slash castle today. If I were to pick up something from Audible today, I'd grab Wicked by Gregory Maguire. This is one of my favorite books, a tale of ostracism and social revolution that transforms the landscape of L. Frank Baum's Oz. Again, that website is audiblepodcast.com slash castle. Sign up and get your free audiobook today. Episode number 38 was In the House of the Seven Librarians by Ellen Clages. It was generally well-received, even by commenters who were sure it wasn't really the kind of story they'd normally enjoy. Poppy Dragon wrote, Whilst acknowledging its faults, perhaps a tad too long and a tad too obvious, I absolutely loved this. And a bit further on added, This story gave me a warm glow as if I was curled up on Olive's lap listening to it in sleepy comfort. There were a couple of descriptive moments in it, wrapping herself completely around the bear is one that sticks out in my mind, that were almost visual and gave a lift to the slightly sedate pace. A few commenters were charmed by the very idea of living in the library, like MacArthurbug, who said, A magical library inhabited by magical librarians is just my cup of tea. I finished this story giddy and grinning like a fool. I knew it existed somewhere, even if it was just in the mind of another writer. It existed after all. Lone dissenter Clutron wrote, I kept expecting something to happen, but no, the kid just grows up. Blog commenters' reactions were similar to board posters. After complimenting the story, Chainring said, Criminy! Being a parent has turned me into a sap! I would have hated this a decade ago. Almost lone blog dissenter Carrie said, Oh, I wanted to like this so badly. Raised by feral librarians. A beautiful wish-granting building. So much time alone with books. Sadly, I found the story soft-toothed and cliched. None of the librarians I know would want to be stuck in time, and all would realize that it's the outside world that creates the exact thing that they protect. As for Dinsey, she held no fascination for me at all. I couldn't care less what happened to her after she left the library. Come on over to forum.escapeartist.info and let us know what you think. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of Podcastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartists.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Orlando Bloom said, 
My whole career has been fulfilling my childhood fantasies, playing characters that are larger than life, getting to play a knight, an elf, a prince, and a soldier.